that need special care. Pray for the elderly and those sick among us. Thank you for the opportunity to be here and be in the services today. And bless it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I have. Uh, Wanted to see if the church would be want Brother Grant to speak for us today. Uh, two options. If you'd like for him to speak, you can speak this morning or this afternoon after lunch. Y'all have a preference? No? Grant, what do you want to do? Do you want to preach this morning? Everyone? I'll give you a little more time this afternoon. I'll give you a little I'll give you more time this afternoon. I'll take the short I'll take the short stick. I'll talk for long. I try not to, but I've been getting a little longer winded the older I get. <laughs> Shirley's shaking her head. <laughs> now, Shirley. <laughs> yeah, amen. And, uh, <laughs> well, this morning, I'll, I'll take the short stick. So uh, let's turn to Matthew chapter 15 this morning. Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 1 is where we'll start. We're going to talk about honoring our God this morning. It says, Then the summons Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And he answered and said to them, And why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother. He who speaks evil of father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever shall say to his father and mother anything of mine you might have uh, have had been helped by has been given to God. He is not to honor his father or his mother, and thus you invalidate the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you saying, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. And after he called the multitude to him, and he said to them, Hear and understand. Not what it, it's not what enters into the mouth that defiles the man, but what proceeds out of the mouth that defiles this man. Or the man, excuse me. And the disciples came and said to him, Do you not know that the Pharisees were offended when, you heard, when they heard this statement? It's a bit of a, bit of a funny question there, isn't it? Did you know the Pharisees were offended? He stepped on their toes. The interesting part about this was that Jesus was right. He was right. He had them dead to rights. He says, you tell these. He says, you hold to this tradition. Thus, you say, honor your father and mother. Then you go and tell them, no, I, what I have is given to do this. Interesting. It's like you invalidate the word of God. He says, why? Because you, what do you say? But in vain, he's used Isaiah there. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. You have forgotten that it's not your teachings, 
but it's God's teachings that need to be upheld. Whom do we honor? Do we honor men or do we honor God? Jesus told them there, he says, this, this particular thing he mentions here, doctrines and precepts. Doctrine means learning or teaching. And precepts, what? It's the teachings. It's the teachings of men, right? That's not what the purpose of the scripture is, isn't it? It's what we talked about this morning, obeying God. Obeying God, God offers us what? He offers us salvation, doesn't he? But these men, he tells them, he's like, yeah. Your heart's, he says, your lips speak these things, but your heart's far from him. The Talmud was the oral law. The law and its application there. They got in trouble sometimes because they followed the letter of the law. They didn't have the faith to carry out what the Lord was actually teaching them there, did he? Did they? That's what he warned them of. Let's read real quick a few verses at the end of 15. 15 through 20 is where we'll turn, we'll, at the end of chapter 15 there, we'll read 15 through 20. Peter answered and said to him, explain the parable to us. And he said, are you still lacking understanding also? Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and those defile the man. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are the things which defile the man, but to eat with unwashed hand does not defile the man. Ooh, that's pretty scorching, isn't it, don't you think? He asked Peter, he's like, can you, can you make, help us understand this? He said, out of your heart is what, out of your heart, to your mouth and out is what defiles you, isn't it? What was the intention there? He said, you aren't listening. You aren't listening to the teachings of the Lord. These men told you you need to wash your hands and that's more important than honoring your parents, which the Lord tells you to do. Or worshiping me. Worshiping God? <laughs> That's what I mean there. And then he proceeds to tell him there. He says, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. Those are the things we need to be delivered from, folks. From ourselves, like you mentioned earlier. From the evil that comes from us. What does the scripture say? way of a man seemeth right unto him, but the end thereof is death. Yeah, and he was telling Pharisees here, you, you, you got a problem here. And even the disciples were like, I don't understand. He's like, I'm trying to get you to see that this is, this is what comes out of you is what follows you. What's in your heart? Get rid of that stuff. Turn your life over to the Lord. Listen to what he says. Honor him. 
look at uh, Isaiah chapter 29 where he referenced that text and see what it says. Isaiah 29 and verse 12 is where we'll start. Give you a chance to turn over there. And I would encourage us, this, is, this gives us the context of what the prophet Isaiah was saying there that Jesus referenced. So Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 12, he says, Then the book will be given to the one who is illiterate, saying, Please read this. And he will say, I cannot read. Then the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me. And their reverence for me consists of traditions learned by rot. Therefore, behold, I will once again deal marvelously with this people, wondrously marvelously. And the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the discernment of their discerning men shall be concealed. Woe to those who deeply hide their plans from the Lord, whose deeds are done in the dark place, and they that say, Who sees us? Who knows us? You turn, these, uh, thir- turn things around. Shall the potter be considered as equal with the clay? That what, what is made should say to its maker, he did not make me? Or what is formed to say to him who formed it? He has no understanding. Hmm. When the creation doesn't revere the creator, but yet reviles him. That's slanderous there to say, person that made me has no understanding. What was the expectation? What was going on here in Isaiah that was, that was about to take place? They were going into captivity. The Lord had already pronounced judgment against them, saying, all right, your hearts are far from me. Your lips may say what, you think I want to hear, but your heart's far from me. That ought to place us under conviction to observe and, and to look according to Scripture what our life says about our service to the Lord. Brother Ed mentioned this morning about being fervent, bowling over. Scripture mentions in other parts that Paul was a zealot. He was zealous to do what the Lord asked him to do. And even after that, he changed and became zealous for Jesus, didn't he? Folks, we have a watered-down version of what occurred here. We, we tend to change things over time. Let us not be confused that God calls us to do things and do them, what? Just as Jesus did them. Zealously. Emphatically. The community around us should see us and go, Ha! Ha! I don't want to mess with them. That's the Lord's people. Or I'd like to go be with them. What was the admonition there for the man that says he went and hoards the treasure? I think it's Pearl is talking about. You don't hoard it. You share it, don't you? You're supposed to, we're supposed to share it. That's what the gospel is. It's what the teachings of God are. That are imparted to us. That precious pearl. 
You don't hide it. You share it. You cultivate others' understanding of it. You share it with them so that they can see the goodness thereof. But the railing indictment he pronounced here in Isaiah chapter 29 was to God's people. He says, but they remove, he says there in 13, he says, then the Lord said, because this people draw near to me with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me and their reverence for me consists of traditions learned by rot. Folks, just because we say the right things doesn't mean we do the right things. He calls us to be hearers of the word and doers also. And we can't do it by sitting on our hands and not moving our feet. That's not honoring God. Honoring God just as we, just as we honor our parents. It's to follow their instruction, isn't it? To hear their teaching. We read over in Proverbs about a month or so ago, son, here, listen to my words. Listen to what I'm telling you. And you'll go on and you'll receive the wisdom and you can use that wisdom to be what? To increase, right? To have understanding, to better navigate your life. To be productive for the Lord's service. Be careful not to get caught up in what men find acceptable. I could preach what I want all day long, but if I don't preach the truth, then I'm not right. I can't force my way into the kingdom, can I? I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. Again, this is the divinely inspired word of God. It's not the divinely inspired word of man. Come from God. Look at Colossians chapter 2. I'm not going to get through everything I want to get through. So I'll have to save it for next week. Or Wednesday night. I haven't recorded something on Wednesday night in a while. Colossians chapter 2. Again, this is, this is not my words. This is the Lord's words. Colossians chapter 2, verse 20. He says, If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as it if you are living in the world, do you submit yourselves to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with the using? That's in parentheses there because it was in a later manuscript. Earlier manuscripts didn't contain that phrase. In accordance with the commandments and teachings of men. These are matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom and self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. What is the preceding text talking about? He's talking about being built up in Christ. Verse 7 says, Having been firmly rooted, now being built up in him, established in your faith, just as you were instructed, 
and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, but rather according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all and rule and authority. Pharisees over in the place we read, they didn't acknowledge that, did they? They didn't understand it. They were looking for an earthly Messiah that was going to deliver them fleshly, right? They missed, they missed the mark on that. They were more concerned with their, with their teachings and what made them look good and what gave them the power over other men. But all, what was the Lord desired of it? Be obedient, to be faithful. To observe what the law taught them and to be nurtured and guided and tutored into understanding that Jesus was the Messiah. And that through him and in him, that was the only way for deliverance, wasn't it? So the expectation here, what's he telling them? Follow the instructions. <laughs> Follow the instructions. That's how you honor the teacher, isn't it? Who's the teacher? I'm not. The Lord is the teacher. He's the one that uses the Spirit to counsel me and to teach me how it is that we're supposed to live our lives. Does that for the church here. That's the, that's the expectation is that we listen to the Spirit. We heed the instruction. And we overcome. So he tells them over there in Colossians chapter 3, he says, If then you have been raised up in Christ, keep seeking the things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on the things above, not on things of the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Did he say stop there when you have an, when, when you've, when you've, Set your mind on those things. When we come in to serve the Lord, we submit for baptism, we come into the church. What's the expectation? He didn't tell them, you're good. He told them, keep seeking. Continual, active, progressive action. I'm no English grammarian, like some of the brothers are, but I have an understanding of what that is. I, could, I can't speak correctly half the time. But I get the understanding of what that verse is telling me there. Then he goes on, he says, not, not just keep, he says, keep seeking. But then he goes on, he says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. This stuff ain't going to last for long. If the right things are going, it's not going to last much longer anyways. But no, what does it say? No one knows the day or time, but we need to be preparing constantly. Preparing gives the, act, the idea that you've got to continuously keep preparing. Preparing your mind. We talk about Galatians and about putting on the armor of God. We have to prepare for battle. We can't just put half the armor on and go out to battle and expect to live. 
We've got to put it on and keep it on and maintain it. Things fall into disrepair. We've got to maintain it. We've got to service it. We've got to keep going. You think the battalion or the, or the legion that went out to war did things by themselves individually? They, of course, individually, they worked together as a unit to overcome and to win the war, right? So they had to help one another. You think Paul used that, that analogy over there in the scripture when he's talking about being a soldier? Or running. You run to prepare yourself. You have to, you have to train yourself. You have to condition your body. Look at First John. I've got about three minutes. It's okay, I got quite a few places to finish up at another date and time. First John chapter two. Verse fifteen. says, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is thus in the world, lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away in all sorts lust, but the one who does the will of God abides forever. Children, it is the last hour, and just as you have heard the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have arisen. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, and they were not really of us, for if they had been of us, then they would have remained with us. But they went out in order that it might be shown that they all are not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it. Because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that uh, Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist and the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father, and the one who has confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you, let the, the, that abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If what you have heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. Hooey! So you mean to tell me I can't serve the Lord and have the world too? No. No, quite the opposite actually. You can't. What does it talk about? Brother who has what? And denies his brother basically what he needs? Turns him away? What does he say? Who turns away and doesn't take care of him? It's not one of the that abides in the Lord, is it? Who? I know I'm paraphrasing here, but you get the point. He 
goes on to say there, world passes away. You're not going to carry this stuff with you. <laughs> it's passing away. He says, and also it's lust. He says, but the one who does the will of God abides forever. Abides. Say that. Lives with God. So, one who abides, the one who does his will, the one who honors God with what he has instructed them to do, he abides with God forever. He goes on to warn him. He says, It's the last hour, kids. <laughs> Even now, people seek to subvert Christ, right? They're the Antichrist, they go against Christ. You don't need to go to church. You don't need to do those things. That's all good. You're all good. The certain deceived Eve and said, you protected this fruit. You won't surely die. She believed the lie. What happened? She got Adam to partake. What did the Lord say? They were naked. They saw that they were naked. He said, who told you they were na- you were naked? She said, well, we ate the fruit. We did this. And he says, you weren't supposed to do that. What happened? They were ejected from the garden. They could not enjoy the presence that the Lord, the, the place and the goodness of, of the garden that the Lord had placed them in. Because they didn't abide in that. And he says, okay, you're going to have to put forth some effort now. <laughs> you're going to have to toil the land and deal with all the thorns and the thistles and deal with the pain of childbirth. All I did was ask you to abide in what I told you to do. There was a repercussion for their for their disobedience. But if they repented of those things and they changed their ways and they kept on seeking the things of God, what happened? There was some there was there was a benefit there still. There was a benefit to that. But they had to repent. They had to change their ways. They couldn't stay the way they were, the way they were acting. Else they wouldn't be allowed to abide. He tells them, "You can't abide in the world and abide in me." Just that's the point. All right, Second John, verse 4, and then I'm going to stop. He said, I was very glad to find some of your children walking in the truth, and as just as you've received the commandment to do from the Father. And now I ask you, lady, not as writing to you a new commandment, but the one which you have had from the beginning that we love one another and that the that this is love that we walk according to his commandments this is the commandment just as you have heard from the beginning that you should walk in it for many deceivers have gone into the world of those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh this is the deceiver and the antichrist watch yourselves that you might not lose what you have accomplished Hmm. 
but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teachings of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house. Do not give him a greeting. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. Having many things to write to you, I do not want to do this with pen and ink or paper and ink. But I have come to you and speak face to face that your joy may be made full. The children of your chosen sister greet you. Again, how do we honor God? We walk in his commandments. The expectation and the scripture talks about work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, isn't it? What's the expectation there? He says, new commandment. I, he says, I ask you, lady, not as writing you a new commandment, but the one which you have heard from the beginning, that we love one another. The scriptures say another earlier spot from the Lord. You don't love your brother, you can't love me. He says, if you love him, you're going to walk according to the commandments. You're going to abide. We don't abide. What did you say? I don't have time to get over there, but Hebrews talks about trampling underfoot the blood of uh, the blood of Christ. Terrifying expectation to not please our God, to not honor our God, not just with our lips, but with our whole being. John the third John said that I have no greater joy than to hiss than to hear my children walking in the truth. Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren and especially when they are strangers and they bear witness to your love before the church and you will do well to send them on their way in the manner worthy of God. He says, for they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support such men that they were fellow workers with the truth. And he goes on talking about diatrophies. Don't, don't have any dealings with him. Why? He didn't follow after that, does he? He said, he loves to be first among you. Self-important. He says, I'll give attention to their deeds who unjustly accuse me. He says, for this reason, if I come, I give attention to his deeds, which, do, which he does, unjustly accusing us of wicked words and not satisfying this. Neither does he himself receive the brethren, and he forbids those who have a desire to do so and puts them out of the church. That man was exercising his own judgment, wasn't he? Beloved, do not imitate that what is evil. But what is good, the one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. <laughs> Demetrius has received a good testimony for everyone. And from the truth itself, we also bear witness that you know that our witness is true. 
And I have many things to write to you that I'm not willing to write to them with you with pen and ink. But I hope to see you shortly and speak face to face. Peace be to you, friends, and greet you. Greetings to the friends by name. What was the expectation that the brother had there writing? Walk in the truth. Honor God. Love the brethren. Don't use it like Diotrephes was doing and beat him over the head with it and kick him out if they wanted to fellowship with them that were bringing the truth, right? What is the expectation we have in our service to the Lord? The Lord bears it out very plainly. Christ speaks of it very plainly over there that we read over in Matthew chapter 15. We, ought, we should not do it just to please men. Some of those did that, and what happened? Whew. I don't want to be responsible to the Lord for that. I don't want you to be responsible to the Lord for that. That's my job as a pastor is to help feed the flock, protect you. Yes, I'm a member here, but my responsibility is to teach and to preach what the Lord lays on my heart. And I'm convinced of the truth there. That's the expectation for what we should preach and what we should do and what we should administer to the community around us. We can't do that in part. In our, in, in, in part. And as the Lord has called us to do, fully, zealously, fervently, we've not accomplished what the Lord has asked us to do. God provided Israel a warning in Isaiah. Jesus reiterated that warning to the Pharisees. Be careful what you do. You can speak it, but you better do it. You better back it up. And if you don't, you don't do those things, and you want to do what's evil, you're not abiding, are we? What's the expectation? There's a judgment there. We're responsible for those that are in our hearing. We're responsible for what we do out in the world and when we're going about our secular jobs or whatever it is we're doing in the supermarket or wherever we're at, people notice. I watched a documentary about Mormons, about what they believe, and it's pretty convoluted. But the expectation and what we what we do, we can't pervert the word of God and expect to get away with it. And we let a lot of folks out there that are of other religions and of other teachings do things that we should be doing. We should be doing those things. Teaching, teaching about the right way, the way of the Lord. Demonstrating that before others. But we can't not do it and expect to get away with it. But the expectation is dire for us. That's all I have for you this morning. I did go 10 minutes, 12 minutes over. We say what the Lord needs us to say and what he wants us to say. We don't, don't apologize for that. Thank you for your kind attention this morning. 
like for you to think on these things and study on these things yourself. Don't take my word for it. You need to look at the Scripture. I believe the Scripture is pretty clear in our expectation for what, what we are expected of service and what the results of that is. If you got questions, ask them. I've always heard that the only, the only stupid question is the one that together Friday night at the church did. Like, I may see, I may not. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it was good to get to see your dad. All of you know, and I was surprised that he was married. <laughs> yeah. We are running a bit late. I would like us to open with a word of prayer. Uh, Brother Tyler, would you lead us as we open the prayer? Absolutely. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this day, and we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for the opportunity to come together and to honor and worship and glorify you. Lord, we pray that you would clear our hearts and minds, Lord, to be prepared to serve you today. Lord, we ask that you would open, again, open our hearts and minds, that we might hear the word that you would have us to hear, and that we might receive it and and use it to become more beneficial in your service. We ask that you be with those of our number that are sick and ailing and those that are uh, prevented from being here, Lord. We ask that you would just uh, help us to find ways that we can support our, our brethren in, in a way that would honor and glorify you and that would show them that we continue to love them and, and that we would desire what is best for them. We ask all these things in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I wish all of you a blessed new year. This is, you know, we get to start another year. We get to. You know, when you get to be up in your later 70s, you say, I get another year. I get to. I get to serve the Lord. I get to. I, I don't have to. I get to. It's a blessing. And each new day is a blessing. Yeah. And when you've just recovered from a virus like I have, I'm glad to be among the living again. <laughs> there for a while I was, I had my doubts. <laughs> but anyway, this morning, I, we've, I've been asked if I wouldn't uh, start a series about our beliefs as Baptists. Now that's a, you know, that, that's a big, it's a big uh, undertaking. Now I've, I've been taught by some of the best, from Charlie Smith, Brother Carlton Elkins, uh, back for years. And that doesn't mean I was their best student. <laughs> I, what I have learned, and, the, and the, the older I get, the more I appreciate what God has done for me and for the church and for all of mankind. We, we take so many things for granted. Things that we say, oh, well, it's always been that way. 
The sun rises every morning. God is faithful. I mean, he proves himself daily, moment by moment. He brings us through our trials, gives us strength for every day. But let me ask a question. I mean, it's as we all, those of us who are here, know what salvation is. But what is salvation? What, do, what does it mean? What does the word mean? The very word itself. Deliverance. What's that? Deliverance. Deliverance. There we go. Deliverance from evil, from oppression, from disaster, from sickness, from you name it. Salvation is deliverance. Our deliverer is God himself. God the Father, Jehovah, the God that's of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that created Adam. No, God is our deliverer. He's the one that's our salvation. He's the one that provides for our health, provides for our sustenance, provides all the things that we have. You know, both in the Hebrew and the Greek, it, the word is essentially deliverance. Deliverance from evil. Oppression of any kind. Any kind of oppression. And, and safety from danger is also included in that. Safety from the dangers of whatever pitfall, whatever things that we might encounter in life. And ultimately, well, our welfare. What we have is given of God. Our welfare is seen to by God himself. And you, you can go another step. What about our peace, our, our contentment, our our happiness, our joy. These are things provided by God through his salvation. We've been, David said, he brought me out of the miry clay and set my feet on a rock to stay. We can all say that. He is our rock. He is our strength. He is our salvation. He is our our shield, our helmet, our, our breastplate. He gives us the strength to meet another day. One more thing that I would like to add, and that is contentment. Contentment. What do you give for contentment? For being glad to be where you are for being who God has made you, given you the strength to say, I'm glad to be here today. Oh, that contentment is worth a lot. That's worth an awful lot. 
And God's salvation brings that. There isn't any other place you can find that. If you're not happy with your situation, tell God about it. He knows already. He knows what things we have need of before we ask. But he wants us to ask. Let him know where our troubles are. Let him know where we where we stand and where we would like to stand. And he'll tell you what he wants. By the power of his spirit, he will say, wonderful. That's a good thing you desire. Here's what I want you to do to attain it. And he'll give you the strength and the wherewithal to do it. And you'll find contentment in doing what he says. The book of Philippians says that we, it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's Philippians 4. Well, I won't be turning there, but it, he says both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's God who worketh in you but you have to let him. You have to invite him. You have to want his will done in your life for your benefit. Not for God's. I mean, what, what can we give God that he hasn't already given me? I, I can't give him anything except myself. That's all I've got. But that's what he expects. Romans 12.1 says that's our reasonable service. It's our reasonable service. Not, not something extra, not something wonderful, not something phenomenal that we can do for God. That's just our reasonable service. You know, salvation was spoken of in the Old Testament, all throughout the Old Testament. I mean, from, from Genesis on. Salvation. Salvation was promised to Israel. The Messiah, the coming of that Messiah was promised. King David spoke of, of salvation in, in several places in the Psalms. But I, I'd like you to turn with me to Psalm chapter and we'll read just one of those places. Just one verse. I usually put a little sticky tab on in here, but I didn't put that one in here for Psalm chapter 3. And I'd like us to read verse 8. It says, Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. Consider that. Salvation belongs to God. 
He owns it. He's the one who made it, who, who created it for us. If we are to be delivered from evil, it'll be by God's hand. It won't be by the hand of man. It won't be by the hand of, certainly not Satan. It won't be evil forces that deliver you. If they do, watch out for the other hand. Because <laughs> they don't mean it for your good. David said there in verse 7, Arise, O Lord, save me, my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheek, upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. That's how God is able. He is able to do that. We are not. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Consider that. Think about it. Take it to heart. That's what that word sila means. Meditate upon this. Realize that that's important. God is the one who does these things. There are other places in the Old Testament. I want us to turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah speaks of of salvation in such a marvelous, beautiful way. Isaiah chapter 1. He, he starts out, the book of, the prophet Isaiah starts out here. And in chapter 1 of Isaiah, He's talking about his people. Verse 16, he says, Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do well. Seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now, let us reason together. God says, come. Let Let's reason together. I've got something for you to do. These are some things, good things for you to do. I want you to do these things. He says, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. He can cleanse us. He can relieve us of our own evil. Now, I'm not talking about the evil of out in the world. He says, let us reason together. This is for your good that I want to do this. This is for your good, not mine. I'm here to save you. He says, I'm here to do good for you. But I want you to do these things, good things. This puts you in a place where God can bless you. When you're choosing to do evil things, you set yourself in a position where God can't bless that. He hates evil. He wants the best for you. 
says, come now, let us reason together. You and me, just, just between you and God. If you want to be relieved of the oppression of sin in your life, put sin in the, in the rearview mirror. It's back there. I don't want any part of it anymore. That's what God wants. Verse 19 says, If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. What a choice. <laughs> you want salvation? God offers it. Says, take my, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Have you found that to be the case? Is God loving? Is God faithful? Is God capable? Absolutely, no question about it. He has salvation. While we're here in Isaiah, let's turn over to Isaiah chapter 55. This is such a beautiful picture of salvation. A lovely picture. Oh, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come and buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? You want satisfaction? Don't spend what you've got on evil things. That was my interjection here. Uh, Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. The old I have, been, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and a commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew not thee shall run into thee because of the Lord thy God. For the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, 
that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. For ye shall go out with joy, and be led forth with peace, and the mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. What a beautiful picture of salvation that God wanted for his people in the, here in the Old Testament. Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet. He said, you want, it, you want what God wants for you? Then do what God wants. It's simple as that. It's a beautiful picture. Well, this is the Old Testament. Salvation was there for those who put their faith in God, who found him to be their strength, their shield, their rock. King David, when he was out there in a, in a field as a young man, a young boy, tending sheep, God delivered him from a bear, from a lion. And when he came up against Goliath, this giant of the Philistines, he said, what is he against God? What, why, is the, why is the army of Israel quaking in their boots? I'm not afraid of this giant. God will give me the strength, just as he did against the lion and the bear. You ever faced a lion? <laughs> An African lion? That's what he... That's what was after David's sheep. God delivered David there. David learned by experience. God gave David faith, and David exercised that faith daily, taking care of sheep. Sheep are dumb critters. <laughs> I, I, I took care of a fellow sheep for about a week. During that week, the ram tried to get out, got his front over the fence and got his hind legs stuck in the top of the fence and was hanging there upside down. Dumb critter. <laughs> took, took me and two neighbors to get him out of that fence, untangled from the fence. Well, David was good as a shepherd. He took care of those sheep. Faced their enemies. He was their salvation. But God was David's salvation. God was the one that provided David. Now David may have been out there practicing with that sling for lack of something better to do as a kid. <laughs> I, I played around with a sling for a while. About cocked my head on with a rock more than once. You know, because you turn loose of that thing at the wrong point and it goes straight up. And you say, uh-oh, it's going to come down somewhere. <laughs> now, I, I never got good with it. 
God provided for David that he was good with a sling. When he came up against Goliath, he had five stones, but he only needed one of them. God provided for David. He'll provide for you. He'll provide for me. All right, for, let's make a transition here from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Now, who, is, who would we talk about in there who is a transition person? How about John the Baptist? Try John the Baptist. He was the last of the Old Testament prophets. But his father was a priest. And he was serving in the temple. And the angel came, the angel Gabriel came and spoke to him while he was serving inside the temple. People said, oh, what's he doing in there so long? Why is he in there? I mean, he, he had to go in and it was his job. He was the one who took the sacrifice into the Holy of Holies. Nobody went in there but one priest. And that was Zacharias this, this year. And the angel said, your Zachariah was an old man, by the way. He was like me. He was, he was my age. He says, you're going to have a child. Your wife is going to have a child. And he kind of laughed at this thing and said, yeah, okay. Uh, sounds good. Uh, I'm an old man. I'm, how is this going to happen? You know, I, my wife is an old woman. How is this going to happen? Gabriel says, because of your unbelief, you will not be able to speak. This is going to be a sign for you. You won't be able to speak until your wife is six months pregnant. Six months along. Anyway. In fact, let's turn to the book of Luke. And Luke chapter 1. And verse 67, that's where I'm going to start. Maybe, maybe I'll start back a ways. Uh, now that's a good place to start. And his and his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost, and prophesied, saying, "Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He hath visited and redeemed His people." Now this is Zechariah after his tongue was loosed, after he said. My child's going to be named John. He wrote it down on a piece of, on a pad. He said his name is John. That's what his wife said his name was going to be. And he agreed. 
even though there was nobody in his family named John. They named kids after their ancestors. Well, they, he said his name's going to be John. And Zechariah was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited redemption, visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophet, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. Is that salvation? Yes. That's, a, that's salvation. He's, he said this salvation that God prophesied through his holy prophets down through the ages, this has come to pass. This is, this is the very thing that has come to pass. In holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life, we get to serve God. We get to. And now, child, John, he sings specifically of this baby that is being born to him and his wife in their old age. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. There's the promise. Remission of their sins. That wasn't an Old Testament thing. It was prophesied, yes. But they had to make sacrifices on a regular basis to have their sins put off for another year. Each year, the high priest went into the temple, went into the holiest of holies with blood for his own sacrifice, a sacrifice for his own sins and for the sins of the people. Both. That's what Zechariah was doing back there in the temple when the angel Gabriel spoke to him. And he said, now this has come to pass to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. Their sins will be taken away by this Messiah that is coming. This one that has been prophesied. He's here. He's come. This was a prophecy about what John was going to do as a prophet. But it was a prophecy of Jesus bringing that redemption, that salvation, that freedom from their enemies and a blessedness to the nation of Israel. And that's what Jesus came to be. And that is this transition point. 
John came prophesying, prepare the way of the Lord, repent ye of sin, and turn to the Lord. Isn't this where salvation begins? Where God convicts us of our own sin. And says, Lord, and we learn to say, Lord, I don't want to be this way anymore. I don't want to be a sinner. I don't want to be, I don't want to have any part in, with evil. And we turn away from that by God's grace. By grace through faith, we turn from sin. And God blesses us with salvation. With deliverance from evil, from our own evil. Amen. Deliverance from evil. God is good. God is wonderful. Our God's amazing. You won't find another God like that anywhere. There is no other. He's the one. Okay. Let's turn to the book of Matthew. Go back a little ways here. Matthew chapter 11. We'll begin with verse 28, I believe. These are the words of Jesus. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus says this. Are you, are you laboring under sin? Under the weight of oppression of, of any kind? Are you heavy laden? Jesus said, I will give you rest. I personally will give you rest. But then he says, here's what I want you to do. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Now, what's a yoke? What's a yoke? It's a harness, right? It's a, it's a way that you adapt uh, a beast of burden to carry a load, to pull a plow, to pull a wagon, to do whatever. I want you to do my bidding. Take my yoke upon me. Take my yoke upon you. And learn of me. I want you to learn your G and Ha. Learn how to turn where I bid you to go. Learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. I'll take good care of you. That's Jesus promising that. I'll take good care of you. You do what I say to do, and I will bless you. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You won't find this yoke that you take upon you to be an oppressive thing. It'll be an opportunity, a pleasure, a joy to serve. 
to do what God bids. He says, I want you to learn of me. Learn what I want you to do. Learn to be what you ought to be. Learn what your full potential might be. How, wait a minute. Full potential, where'd that come from? Was that an Ed Brown thing? Yeah, maybe so. But that full potential is what God wants for each of us. For you, for me, for each creature on earth. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Have you found it to be so? I have. It's a joy to serve God. It's a wonderful thing. Let's turn to Luke chapter. Turn back to the book of Luke again. Uh, Luke chapter 24 this time. The last chapter in the book of Luke. I'll begin reading with verse 44. You'll again, note that this is. Jesus speaking. And he said unto them, These are the words I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Jesus is speaking of himself here. After his resurrection, after he had died on the cross and was speaking to his people, his disciples, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Jerusalem was just a starting point. They went to Samaria, and the Samaritans, of all people, the Jews would say, of all people, those Samaritans that we don't get along with, we don't even talk to them, they received Jesus Christ as their Messiah. To all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Upon you, you my, my apostles, my disciples, those that are following me. But tarry. Wait ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Power from on high. God's power? In us? We're just servants and we're, we're amazed that Jesus rose from the dead, but he did. 
He did, and he's right there standing in front of us. And he led them out as far as Bethany. And he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. I'll bet they did. They were excited. The Messiah has risen. He's alive. We saw him. We even watched him there on the beach eat food. He's alive. His body is functioning. He is here. He is the Son of God. No question about it. And they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. I'll bet they were. They were excited. We need to be excited. Our hearts need to be fervent in serving our God. That word fervent means like boiling over. Fervent. You don't boil an egg in lukewarm water. <laughs> you put it in boiling water to get the job done. That's what God wants from each of us. We need to be boiling, <clears throat> serving him. That's what he wants. That's what he expects. That's what he deserves. Can we give him anything less? I suppose we can. To our own hurt. Well, that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. It just started there. This new salvation, a new salvation, not it, this is the one that was prophesied, but he was standing there in front of them. And he was received up into heaven, even as they watched. A new salvation. It's a new day. There's a New Testament that Jesus inaugurated by his death on the cross for me, for you. He made it possible. Let's go to the book of John. John chapter 15. Jesus said in verse 4 here, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. You're helpless. You're worthless. You're not capable. Except as Jesus 
and the Holy Spirit flows from him to you and through you and gives you the strength to bear fruit. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. That's all they're good for. Now grapes need to be pruned regularly. If you don't, they don't produce fruit. I had a, a Concord grape in my backyard when I was living in Arvada. And when I got there, that thing was so overgrown and it, it, was, it was on an arbor, a, a wooden arbor. And there were two grapevines, one on each side, and they grew up. But the thing was so congested up there. In the first year, it put on a few grapes, but not many. And they were kind of sorry. But it, I could see it was a good Concord grape. And I read up on grapes, and it says you got to prune them. Because it's only on a second year growth that grapes grow. It doesn't grow on old growth. It doesn't grow on the new growth. It's the second year. That sprout from last year that sprouted out of the main vine is where the grapes grow and then to grow new sprouts for next year. But you got to keep this pruned back. You want it coming from the main trunk of the tree. That, that grapevine had a trunk about that big around on both sides of that arbor. It was an old grape, but it was a good grape. But it had to be pruned. Had to be in order to produce, produce good fruit. Our lives are that way too. Salvation is that way for us. We prune away the things that hinder us, that are baggage, that are things that are more than we need to deal with. God knows those things. We don't. But God can make us fruitful by pruning away sin on a regular basis. This is a different kind of salvation, by the way. Jesus said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If my spirit flows to you, you are able to produce fruit. Otherwise, forget it. You'll be cut away, and you'll be good for putting on the fire, and we'll get, you'll be gone. Let's remember where our strength comes from, where our support is from. He says, I am the vine and ye are the branches. Let's turn to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1. Verse 16. The Apostle Paul gives his testimony here. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Greeks? What? Who are Greeks? 
anybody that wasn't a Jew. For herein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Wow. This is where the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith to faith. What does that mean? It means we have to practice. Faith is a gift. By grace are you saved through faith. And that faith is not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Somebody handed you a violin and said, you have the potential to be a great violinist. And you took that violin and put it on a shelf and did nothing with it. What are the chances of you being a great violinist? <laughs> Zero. Absolutely nothing. Our faith is that way too. God gave us a gift of faith. He expects us to practice it. Practice with it. Use it daily. Yeah. Exercise. Be exercised in faith. So that you know what to do. You know what the next note is in music. You know how to make beautiful music unto the Lord. A joyful noise unto the Lord. That doesn't mean you're going to be good the first time you walk across that violin no no but God expects you to practice to use that faith for herein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith the faith that you had yesterday was yesterday's faith today you are given faith and God expects you to use not only what you learned yesterday but you learn the next step. Learn the next thing in your growth as a Christian. The just shall live by faith. You want to be justified in your life? Your reason for living? Your, you're going to have to practice what God gives you. Use what he gave you. The just shall live by faith. This is where you live. You lead God. Take what he's given you and exercise it. Do what he says. Take his yoke upon you and learn of him. It's not going to be a burdensome thing. Now that doesn't mean you're not going to have trouble. That doesn't mean you're not going to make awful noises on that violin. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I tried it. <laughs> I'm not a violinist. But God has given me gifts and he expects me to use them. He's given you gifts and he expects you to use them. Yeah. One of the greatest gifts we are given is faith. There are three gifts that are given to us. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. But you experience that because of faith. 
and an enduring hope and trust in God and what he has done, not what you have done, not, not any of that. That's, and yesterday's faith isn't going to help you except as a stepping stone for today's faith. You grow from one sphere of faith to the next. That's how God intended it, how, how he wants it. That's how we learn. That's how children learn. If you're going to teach an animal, you start while they're little, and you teach them what you want them to do. If you don't, you're going to have a problem animal on your hands. It's just, you're just going to have a critter to feed. You don't have a, a servant. You don't have an animal that responds to you. A dog that comes when you whistle, that sits when you say sit. God expects that kind of obedience from us. We need to be willing to hear, to listen, to be reproved, to be corrected, pruned, whatever it takes to do God's will. We need to be willing to let him. For the wrath of... This is verse 18 here in Romans chapter 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God hath shown, showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. We don't have an excuse for doing something other than what God has asked us to do. We just don't. Yeah. God is loving, but he has expectations of every one of us, yeah. without exception. Even has expectations of no jubilee here. Now she may not have all the talents that you have. She may never have them. But God knows her. Knows her heart. And God loves her. Just like he does me. I'm worthless. I'm helpless. I'm incapable of doing what God wants without his power. It's only through him that I'm able to do anything. Well, I'm going to, let's turn to the book of Hebrews. I'm, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Just that one verse. What does that say? I mean, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the, to the Hebrews. And being made perfect, he, Jesus, became the author of eternal salvation unto all them 
that obey him. That's what God calls us to do, to obey. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Learn to obey. Learn to do what you're asked. While we're here in the book of Hebrews, let's turn over a page to verse or to chapter seven. Verse twenty-two is where I was. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament, and they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. All those priests like Zechariah have died, but Jesus rose again from the dead. God gave him that power to do that. Sent him here for a purpose to die on that cross for me. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. He's going to be a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek, it says. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. It is through Jesus Christ that we come to God the Father. It's only through Jesus Christ that we can come to the Father. Seeing he hath ever seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people. For this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests, such which have infirmity. The, but the word of the oath, which was once was since the law maketh the son who is consecrated forevermore. He makes him our high priest. He is the one who made intercession for us. He is the one to whom we owe allegiance. None other. In closing, let's turn to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 3. Again, the words of Jesus. Verse 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. We'll enjoy communion. We'll enjoy a meal together. We will enjoy communion with Jesus Christ personally I stand at the door and knock I'm, I'm inviting you to open the door for me to come in to your life if any man hear my voice if you're listening and hear that and say yeah I want Jesus in my life 
I want to share with him what he has to offer. He says, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Whoa. My th Jesus' throne in heaven at the right hand of God? What did that say? These are the words of Jesus. He says, I will do.